Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 43? Isaiah chapter 43. I want to talk to you today about God's miraculous plans. Now, last Sunday morning as I was preaching, I shared something that kind of set my own spirit on fire. I don't know if you've ever said something. Have you ever said something and like blessed yourself with it? You know? I'm not saying it happens all the time. And I don't think it was from me. I think it was from the Holy Spirit. But I said something last week that was like spontaneous combustion in my spirit. It just set something on fire. And I said last week, what I said was this. Before the sun, the moon, or the stars were created. Before they were in place. From before the foundations of the earth, before they were established. That God was thinking about me and you. Hear that. From before the sun and the moon were in place. God already knew you by name. And He had a plan for you. He was dreaming and designing and orchestrating a life and a calling and a purpose for us. Many times we don't get to see the whole plan that God has for us in advance. At times God gives us a small thumbnail viewpoint of what he has. And I'll be honest with you, when he starts to show you some of those things and you start to get a small picture of what God has, it's something that begins to stir excitement and joy and enthusiasm in our hearts. But I want to assure you of this, that you and I are unable to comprehend on this side, on this side, You are unable to comprehend the vastness and the glory and the majesty and the beauty of the plan that God has for your life. In fact, long after your body is dead and in the ground and rotting, God's purposes and His plans for your life will still be going forward through the lives of other people who you touch. He's been working on it for billions of years. As I said, sometimes God's plan, it's not always easy for us to see. We get a little idea of it, but we don't know what his plan is. Sixteen years ago, when I came here, there was a young man who I met. And whenever I came here, let me look over the congregation. Frank was here. Harley and Melody and Andrea were here. And Frankie was here. Do we have anyone here who's about 11 or 12? Okay, Nicole. Nicole is 12. Okay. That's how old Frankie was whenever I came here. Frankie was 12 years old. Frankie, why don't you and Tammy and and Abigail come on up here? I want to just talk about them for a minute. Whenever I came into the church that day, I remember meeting Frankie because he walked up the aisle right here in the center. And he had on a blue, do you remember the school jacket type things when you're a little kid? And they're like the shiny, you know what I mean? They're that shiny royal blue. And then they have like the white cuffs with the stripes around them. You know the jackets and something wrote on the back. I remember meeting Frankie right here in the aisle. And Frankie came up and he shook hands with me. 
And there was something in my spirit that said to me, because, you know, we're talking about, well, what should we do? Because I think we were just, we were speaking and seeing if this was like the place where maybe where God might want us. And there was something when I met Frankie, there was something in my spirit that said, you need to be here for him. I didn't know Frankie from Adam. Adam was here too. Frankie was the only, he was the, the only, he was like a, the only teenager. Well, he wasn't a teenager yet. He was 12. And I knew that I needed to be here. I, I didn't know that my sister, I, I knew I had a sister at home. Uh, I wasn't surprised by that. But I didn't know that she was going to need a godly husband. But God did. Abigail was going to need a godly dad to teach her. And, but it's funny how God has these plans for our lives. And whenever we come, we don't see how those things work together. Many of you, you know, when I look at Tammy and Frankie, I see God's blessing on their lives. They're a, a, not just because she's my sister. I just really appreciate them and their service. He was the youngest deacon in the history of our church. Faithfully serves. As soon as he's done here, he, as soon as I'm done talking, he's going to go back out, work with the kids, and minister to our kids and kids' church. Some of you don't know Frankie's story. Because, you see, God's been looking out for Frankie for a very long time. As I understand it, when Frankie was about four or five years old, Child Protective Services came and picked him up, and they removed him from his home in Philadelphia. I believe what I understand was that at four or five years old, they found him wandering the streets of Philadelphia with Nicole looking for something to eat in the middle of the night. But God had a purpose for Frankie. Can you imagine... What it would have been like to be four or five years old and being taken out of the only home that you know. I can't imagine how frightening. Frankie, never, you never hear him complaining about that. It would have been very easy to become bitter or resentful because this happened to me before Frankie was ever born. God had a plan for his life. If that meant God rescuing him as a four or five-year-old little boy and placing him into a Christian home to teach him the ways of God, then that's what God will do. God knew when Frankie was born, long before he was born, God had a plan for him. It involved rescuing his life, picking him up out of Philadelphia, placing him into a Christian home, where he could be taught the word of God, where he could be trained. And because he knew Abigail would need a good dad. And he knew that Tammy would need a good husband. And he knew that our kids here would need, would need a godly man to work with our kids. But sit, friends, listen, listen to me. That's just the very beginning of the plans that God has for our lives. I imagine when you're four years old and they pick you up and put you in a stranger's house, it doesn't feel like this is going to be a good thing. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine what that would have been like, but God had a purpose. And what we're going to see, what we've seen to this point, is we've seen God's favor being poured out on Tammy and Frankie. And you know what we're going to see? We're going to see a lifetime of the goodness of the Lord and the plans of God being revealed in their lives. Nothing that comes our way is by chance. Nothing that we experience is good, will be wasted 
if we'll allow God to work his plans and his purposes. Now, Frank, he could have gotten bitter and angry and resentful. He could have, you know, he could have held on to things, but he chose not to do that. And because of that, God's brought him into a place of blessing. I want you to hear me today. God has plans for you. Just say to yourself, close your eyes and say, God has plans for me. Friends, he's been thinking about you for billions of years. I've been working on some plans for my backyard and plans for my porch. And I'm thinking about them and they're working over in my mind. And I can probably come up with some pretty neat things. But the things I can come up with cannot compare with the plans that God has spent billions of years thinking about you, planning for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. Now, God was not surprised on the day that you were conceived, my friend. As I was praying, as I was doing my message, I wrote this down. I felt like the Holy Spirit brought it to me. And it may be for someone who's here. I don't know. I know it was from the Holy Spirit. You may say, Pastor, you don't know how I was conceived. I was a mistake. I've always been told all my life I was an accident. You may have been a child of rape. I was an accident. I've always heard, I've always known I was an accident. No, you were not. Whether your mom and dad planned you, whether they purposed to have you, whether they intended to have you, whether they necessarily wanted you or didn't want you, you were God's design. And he's known about you from before the foundations of the earth. He's known you. He's known your name. He knew how many hairs you would have on your head. And he had purpose and plans laid out for you. I want you to know something else. God did not look down in the hospital nursery and say, oh, where did that one come from? He's known you from all eternity. In Isaiah chapter 43, starting at verse 1, it says, But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. That would be the upper region of, of the Nile River, the area of Cush. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now, one of the commentators that I like to read is Warren Wearsby. And Warren Rearsby writes that Isaiah chapter 40 
through 66 is often called the New Testament section of the book of Isaiah. There are 27 chapters in it, similar to the 27 books of the New Testament. It begins with the ministry in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 through 4. It begins speaking prophetically of the ministry of John the Baptist. You know that portion of scripture that says, A voice calling in the desert. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's what Isaiah 40 verses 3 through 4 begins with. And its emphasis is upon Christ and salvation. At the very heart of this section in Isaiah chapter 53, and that's the portion of scripture that talks about Jesus being led like a sheep to the slaughter. You remember that portion of scripture? You've read that before. That's the greatest Old Testament prediction of Christ's death on the cross. Now, while Isaiah chapters 1 through 39 has an emphasis upon God's judgment of his people, and he's telling them in advance, if you don't turn, if you don't repent, judgment is coming. Isaiah chapter 40 through 66 sounds a note of comfort and redemption. In spite of the judgment that was coming, God's saying, I want you to hear this, I got a plan for you. He says that to us again and again. In spite of what's happened in your past, God says, I got a plan for you. In spite of where you find yourself today, God says, I got a plan for you. Now, I want you to notice this. This was written to encourage the Jewish remnant that would be delivered from the Babylonian captivity. They were not yet carried into captivity. This is written prophetically in advance to these people who would be, this remnant who would be delivered from captivity after they spent 70 years in captivity. Isaiah wrote this prophecy over 150 years before the remnant would ever need this word of encouragement. Isn't the word of God amazing? He wrote this 150 years before they would need to hear it. Tell me God doesn't have plans for your life. It would be like someone in 1860 writing about exactly what you're going to be facing and word for word what's going to take place in God's purposes and plans for you. 150 years before, during the Civil War, it would be like someone in the Civil War writing about what was going to happen when, uh, after 9-11. I mean, it's just crazy, but that's how God works. There were three things whenever God writes to him. Well, in this portion of the book of the prophet Isaiah, speaks words of comfort long before they're ever needed. And these words are addressed to Jacob or Israel. Now, we know that Israel was God's chosen people. And we today are part of the spiritual Israel. We are God's chosen people. According to scripture, we've been engrafted into the vine. God tells them to fear not. And there's three reasons why they're not to fear. The first reason why they should not fear is found in verses 1 through 3. And it says, do not fear because God has redeemed you. Do not fear because God has redeemed you. But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You're mine. You belong to me. I've purchased you. I've redeemed you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. God tells them to fear not because he has redeemed them and he has called them by name. They belong to him. To redeem means to buy out of slavery. In the past, God had brought them out of the slavery of Egypt. In the future, he's foretelling. In the future, he would deliver them from the hands of the Babylonians, from the hands of their enemies, and he would accomplish his purposes in their lives. I want you to notice that God says, I've called you by name. You're mine. This was not a general call. This was a specific call. An individual, a personal call. How many of you enjoy getting mass mailings? Oh, you're not, that doesn't excite you. Are you sure? How about spam on your email? How many of you just like look forward to all the spam you can get? Not pork shoulders and ham. Most of us, we don't want that. I want you to know this. God doesn't do mass emailings. Churches may. Businesses may. He doesn't send out a Facebook message to his whole list. He deals with us on a personal basis. Before we were born, he called us by name. Today God says, I've purchased you out of slavery. I've called you by name. You belong to me. And I have plans for you. I've purchased you. God is not a hoarder. God doesn't just purchase things and set them up on a shelf somewhere. When God purchases you, he has a plan. Whenever he purchases you, when he redeemed Maria, God said, I know exactly what I want to do with her life. Why? Because he redeemed her. He said, wait a minute. I want her. She's mine. I have a purpose and I have a plan. He doesn't redeem us to throw us in a shed somewhere and pile a whole bunch of stuff on top of us and leave us there. He redeems us with a purpose in mind. With glorious and magnificent plans and dreams for us. Did you ever think about that? That God has dreams for us. He has aspirations for us. Wait, no. He just wants to make me what I have to do for him. No. God has dreams for billions of years. God has been dreaming and planning and laying out a path for you and I. Something that would be incredible for us to experience. Now, I want you to notice this. It does not say, if you pass through the waters. It doesn't say, if you pass Through the fire? Did you notice that? It says, when you pass through the waters. And when you pass through the rivers. And when you walk through the fire. 
For many of us, when we go through fires of afflictions and floods of affliction, times of testing, we begin to doubt God's plan for us. We begin to doubt God's purposes for our lives. We wonder if somehow He's forgotten about us. Just like the children of Israel, remember, as they're escaping Egypt, and they go up and they face the Red Sea. And what do they do? They want, what would you do? You bring us out here to kill us. Begin to grumble and complain. But my friends, God was going to show them that he could take them through on dry ground. And he says, I'm going to take you through this because there's a place I have for you. I have a promised land for you. I have a better future for you. I have better plans for you. I've been thinking about this for a long time. I've been planning this for you for a long time. These are the things that I have for you. So, friends, whenever you and I face fires of affliction, whenever we face times of adversity, don't grow weary. Because the promises of God says that that flood's not going to overtake you. That those fires that you walk through, they are not going to set you ablaze. You may have to go through them, but God's going to protect you in the midst of them. Do you hear that? That's what he promises. So don't get discouraged and begin to doubt the goodness of God or the goodness of his plan for your life because of that. He's going to show his glory. I mean, can you imagine the children of Israel? I mean, thousands of years later. We're still talking about God bringing them through on dry ground. And you know what? There's things that God's going to do in your life and in my life. There's going to be rivers that we got to cross. There's going to be fires that we got to walk through. And for generations, they're going to be talking about, remember when dad went through the fire. Remember when mom went through the flood and what? And God protected her and God sustained her and God kept her. And we're going to pass it on to another generation of men and women who have courage and confidence when the storms are breaking loose all around us where we can stand firm and confident. And when our kids and grandkids see that, they're going to be like, well, then I can do that too. Because I saw my dad do it. I saw my grandmom do it. Now, here we go. The second point is there's no need to fear because God loves you. It says, since you are precious, verse 4, and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. God told Israel that they were precious and honored. He says, I gave Egypt... In your stead. Numerous times in Israel's history, God would allow more powerful on the outside, more powerful, more mighty, more affluent nations to be destroyed when the safety of Israel required it. God favored his people. You and I can have confidence in God's plan for our lives. Because we know that he loves us. It says that because you're precious and you're honored in my sight. Who's saying you're honored in my sight? God's saying that. God says, because you are precious to me and because you're honored, because you're of great value, because you're of great worth in my sight, to me, 
you're valuable, is what God is saying. To me, you're precious. And to me, I love you. That's what God's saying to Israel. What he said to them is said to us as well, because we are a part of Israel today. We are a part, we've been engrafted into the vine, as we said earlier. We're the children of God. He says, you're precious and honored in my sight. We can have confidence in God's plans because we know that he loves us. Why else would he be so patient and long-suffering with you and I? Think about that. Why else would he be so patient and long-suffering? Why would he continue to pursue you and I if it were not for this incredible love? I mentioned in in the first service, if you were dating, if you were single and were dating, and you invited someone to go out to dinner with you. To, I'll be honest with you. Like, if you turn me down, like, once, like, I don't think I'd probably ask the second time. I, I just don't think I would. I mean, maybe twice. After a while, you kind of get it, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to spend my energy here. All right? Think how long God has been pursuing some of you. The God of the universe... The creator of everything that exists pursues you. He comes after you. He follows after you. He speaks to your heart. He causes people to speak to you. He does all of these things because he's seeking intimacy in a relationship with you. I want you to give you an idea. When we look at a piece of property around here, if we looked at a farm with 100 acres, we'd probably say that's pretty big, right? Everything needs to be in perspective. For the average person, a 100-acre farm, we'd say, well, that's a pretty big piece of property. If you have a yard that you have to push mow, and it's about an acre and a half, you would say that that was huge. Okay? So everything is in perspective. If we understand this, that the creator of the universe, we think Lancaster County is a pretty decent-sized area. You look around and you say, well, Pennsylvania, you drive from Erie down to close to Wilmington, Delaware, you have to drive cross-country, you'd say, that's a long drive from one end of the state to another. You start to drive out west, and you drive from coast to coast, you say, whew, this country is big. But when you compare the earth to just our solar system, the earth is just a tiny, small speck in our solar system. I heard it explained recently that scientists say that our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. Now, our sun is just one tiny star amongst billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And if you would compare not our solar system, not our Earth, not the sun, moon, not our solar system... If you would compare our Milky Way galaxy to the universe, that it would be like the size of a quarter compared to all of North America, the whole continent of North America. Now, we think our galaxy is huge. Like, I, I, can't, even, I can't even get my mind around how far it would be from here to the sun. We think our galaxy is huge, but our galaxy would be the size of a quarter compared to all of North America. And the creator of it all, the one who spoke it, he spoke it into existence, pursues you. 
He constantly pursues you. He constantly is seeking you out. How long has God been... How, I want to ask this, some of you, how long did it take for you to respond to God? How many times does He pursue you now, now that you are a believer, now that you're born again? How often is it that He's pursuing you for greater intimacy with Him? He, the creator of this entire universe, that you and I would not even... Our earth would not even register on the map the size of our universe. And the creator of it all passionately pursues us. He says, because I love you. Because he loves us, we don't need to fear. Third point, there's no need to fear because God is with you. In verse 5, he says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. I'll bring your children from the east and gather them from their west. I'll say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God says, don't be afraid. When we think about his plans, because he's with us. In the book of Daniel, we find a story of three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they refused to bow down. They refused to bow and worship. King Nebuchadnezzar got so torqued at them. He says, turn up the heat on this furnace. I'm going to give you guys one more chance. You either bow or I'm throwing you in. They said, oh, king, we can't do that. But the God we serve is able to deliver us. And if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. So the king had his strongest men Take these guys, bind them up, throw them into the fiery furnace. The men who threw them into the furnace died from the heat. We'll pick up the story right here in verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men. Let that sink in. Let it sink in. They threw in three. He said, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, perfects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Friends, God was with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Let me tell you something else. He'll be with you. They came out of that. They threw them in, and he sat back. That fat cat sat back in his chair watching And he had to jump to his feet. They're not dead. It didn't destroy them. They're not screaming with pain. When they came out, the scripture tells us that not a hair on their head was singed. And they didn't even smell like smoke. You know what? When I think about Frankie, the things God done in his life, Frankie don't even smell like smoke. And you know what? God's bringing you through some things, friends. What's going to happen as you go through the fire? I want you to notice, as you go through the fire, the bonds will be burned off. 
but you'll be set free. You see that? That's the only thing that was destroyed. Didn't destroy their clothes. Didn't destroy their hair. They didn't even smell like smoke. But the ropes that held them captive were burned off and they were free. Friends, God has plans for you. He's got some good plans. Even though you go through the fire, even though you go through the flood, it doesn't matter because God's plans are bigger and his plans will be fulfilled. Now, I want to say this to you. There's things that God's going to do in your lives because I just believe as a church and as individuals, it's so important for us to understand and change the mindset that sometimes starts to creep in because the mindset starts to creep in and saying, he's forgotten about me. I guess my best days are behind me. I don't know if if it's going to work the way I think. It doesn't matter. God's got plans for me. And the plans that he has for you and for your family and for your lives are plans that are going to last. There's going to be things that long after you're dead and gone, after you're, we're thinking about, well, I'd like, I got some plans. I got drawings for our church and I got ideas for the future. I, I think about like having a, the new building with the kids area, like where the kids can come in after church, go in there and climb in the slides and stuff. I think that's, I think that'd be awesome. You know, I got plans, but my plans can't compare with what his plans are. And his plans, the things that he's going to do in our lives are plans that are long after we're dead and gone, the plans that God has for our lives are still going to be producing a harvest. It's still going to be producing fruit after our bodies are dead and in the ground because his plans are eternal plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, listen, you think you're all beat up. You think that your best days are behind you. You don't have much hope, but I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give Suzanne and her family a hope and a future. God's got plans for you. He's been working on them for billions of years, and he's going to finish his purposes in your lives. Father God, we thank you today for the plans you have for us. Oh, God, I'm glad you got plans because sometimes my plans get mixed up. But I thank you that you got plans for me. You got plans for my friends who are here. God, I just ask in Jesus' name that we would see the purposes and the plans of God fulfilled in our lives. I pray that a spirit of excitement and enthusiasm, when fear starts to slip in, when discouragement starts to slip in. Lord, I thank you that 150 years before, you knew what that remnant would need to hear. So 150 years before, you wrote a message to them about your purposes and your plans for their lives, telling them not to fear, not to be afraid because you're with them, Lord. So God, I pray that your plans and your purposes for our lives will be brought to pass. And I pray that in the midst of all of it, Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ would receive glory. That you would be praised, Lord. Thank you for your plans for us, Lord. Thank you that you've been thinking about them for a million years. And I look forward with excitement to my future because your plans are good, Lord. We praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name.